So like the Catman of West Oakland title, I didn't choose it. It was bequeathed to me before cats took over my life. I was like a recording engineer, band guy, struggling dude. Me and my buddy Glenn, we moved into this bottom half of a duplex in West Oakland. It was super cheap. Uh, that's how we could afford to be recording engineer, writer, band people, and still pay our bills. James and Evander was the, my band's name, or one of my band's names. We never really did much touring or anything, but we did do one or two little West Coast runs. We did one of our first little runs, and I just kept seeing cats wherever we would go, and I'd take a picture, and I'd post it online. It's a cats on tour. I'll keep this tradition going. I love that. That's genius. Then when we moved into the house that I'm in, in West Oakland, I just kept seeing cats everywhere. And it, was, it wasn't it was like I was out there looking for cats. I mean, I'd had cats and dogs and turtles and mice and hamsters and all sorts of shit growing up. I just liked animals. And if one would come across my path, I'd want to like pet it and hang out. In West Oakland, I just kept seeing critters everywhere. And I was just like, what? Where? What? This is crazy. It went from just sort of like seeing the cats and petting them a little bit to being like, I'm at the grocery store. I'm going to get them some treats. <laughs> like, maybe there'll be more of my friends if I do that. By that time, they were on like to the iPhone 2 or something. And my mom got the second one. And so she gave me her first one as like a hand-me-down iPhone. And then once I had a camera always around, I just started taking photos of the cats that I saw more. And I was just like, ah, this is silly. And I'd post them online. And we were like, ah, we're in West Oakland. These are like street-worn, street-weary, people-weary, haggard hood cats. Like, they're the neighborhood cats. And then that account was already taken by some folks in New York. So I was like, I don't know. People call Oakland the hood. I mean, 10 years ago, it was a completely different neighborhood. And I, was, I absolutely understand and uh, acknowledge my wave of gentrification of Oakland, for sure. And having... I don't know, like co-op black culture to make this like hood cats thing. So that is like a little weird and something that at first I wasn't super conscious of. After about a year of taking photos, some people were like, hey, this stuff is some of your photos are really good. Like, can you do something with this? Uh, and I'm like, what do you mean do something with this? I put it on the Internet. It's cats on the Internet. This is how it works. I'm a broke stoner musician. You think I have money to invest in cat merchandise? Like, <laughs> like that sounds crazy. But it was right as Kickstarter and those sorts of things were taking off. Some friends convinced me to like, give this a shot. Like, I think there's there could be something here. And so I was like, yeah, you might be right. And if, if I want to make 100 calendars, what do I need for that? I want to make 100 calendars. I need $1,000 to be able to make and ship and make a little bit of profit. So I made a little Kickstarter, put it out into the world. Um, and it got funded in like two and a half days. And it wasn't like some mega success. I ran out of a hundred calendars. It wasn't like I went viral and sold 10,000 cat calendars or anything. And that's something I really value in my path in this life is that everything has been really good, small steps. Somehow the East Bay Express caught wind of it and they were like, uh, hey, can we talk to you about this? Like, you're this music guy, and what's this cat thing? And so they dubbed me the Catman of West Oakland in the Pets issue of, like, 2013, I think it was. It's just been a snowball from there. <laughs> uh, my relationship with that, like, brand or whatever, if you want to think about it like that, has grown and changed over time because I was definitely, I, like I said, I'm conscious about it. But what I think is actually really beautiful is I'll be at tabling events and shit 
my banner has the Catman logo and it has the Hoodcats logo and I got Hoodcats crap on the table and toys and all this all this weird shit. So you're like already like what is that guy's deal? Then people will see this like Hoodcats thing, but they see white bearded hipster guy behind the table. Sometimes I'll catch like a little heat and they'll be like Hoodcats, huh? What's that about? And then I'm like, actually, it's this like TNR kind of rescue group photo project I've been doing for 10 years. We go out, we find cats that need help that don't want to be adoptable. We spay and neuter them. If they're injured, we help them out. If they are adoptable, we get them into the shelter or into a rescue and we get them taken care of. I keep rambling at them for like five minutes about how this weird shit has taken over my life. And then they're like, wait a second. That's actually kind of cool. Like, good work. Keep it up. I do think at the end of it, it's using this like goofy kind of gimmick to get your attention. It's not a fucking capitalist scheme. It's I mean, it is because we're all in capitalism. Like we live in capitalism. How I think about it, it's like conscious capitalism. It's not free to fix these cats and it's not free when you have to remove an eyeball for twelve hundred dollars. Like, so we got to make money to cover that shit. But I'm doing the work. And I'm not a joke. I mean, I am a joke, but if you scratch beneath the surface a little bit, like there is some serious heartfelt shit in this work and what I'm doing in the vision. The moment where it all kind of changed for me, me and my buddy Glenn and our buddy Matt, we were all living together here in this house, paying nothing for rent. It was great. And we could go just do music all the time. So we were getting ready to go to L.A. We finished loading up the van. And we're getting ready to leave. And then across the street from us is this like apartment complex. And I saw this little gray kitten like skitter across the driveway. And so like I set <laughs> the keyboard stand down and I go over across the street and I find this little gray and white kitten and his litter of siblings and the mama. And I'm just like, this is adorable. Y'all are adorable. You guys don't need to live out here. Like, this is going to be a garbage life for you. So I, like, knocked on the door of the apartment, and I talked to the people who were there. I was like, hey, I've been taking these photos of cats. I've found out a, a little bit about cat rescue here in Oakland, and I, I'd like to help these guys if that's possible. Because one of the biggest things from East Bay Express calling me the cat man in West Oakland was some people who commented on the article and stuff that were just like, Hey, like, Oh, these little cats, they need help. Like, what does this guy do for them? Are they, is he doing anything? And at first I was like, no, what do you mean? They're just like outdoor street cats. What do I do with them? I feed them. Then like learned a little bit about TNR, which is trap neuter return, which is like making it to where, uh, you go out and you spay and neuter the cats and make sure that they can't make any more because the overpopulation at the shelter really ground zero is cats mating outdoors and people finding cats in their backyard and then bringing them to the shelter, but not stopping the parents from fucking in their backyard. Like <laughs> uh, I, I had read a little bit about that. In the interview, I, I had mentioned that at some day I wanted to foster for this organization called Cat Town, which was this organization that was started in Oakland. They mostly dealt with like special needs senior cats. Uh, and I thought that was super beautiful. And I was like, that's amazing. I want to hang out with old cats. My roommate at the time was allergic, so I didn't get to bring any cats inside. So I'm like, I got my outside cats. Someday I won't live with Glenn and I'll get to foster for Cat Town. That'll be rad. But right now I can't rescue. I'm just taking photos of cats and feeding them and making sure they're all right outside. Fast forward to finding this litter of kittens and then being like, okay, this is the moment of 
somebody should do something. Oh shit, I'm somebody. Before we left, I started writing an email to Anne, and Anne is the woman who runs Cat Town or started Cat Town. She's a founder. I was like, hey, I'm this guy. You might have seen this article. I just found this litter of kittens. I'm going out of town, but they're safe. And when I get back, I want to help. Anne was also at the same moment writing an email to me. Hey, I just saw uh, you posted a photo of this kitten and some friends sent me your article. Thanks for mentioning us. Let me know if you need some help. Came back Anne came out. We talked to the people across the street. Um, we were able to snag the kittens. She brought out this woman to come out and help and get some of the adults. They helped me trap. They taught me how to trap. They got all the kittens into carrier. Those kittens all got adopted through Cat Town. The adults went and got fixed. I'm pretty sure they all were friendly enough that they just went to the shelter too and were able to get adopted. So that happened and I was like, wow, this is a crazy, like what a whole new world. <laughs> and this Anne lady seems rad and this other lady seems fucking crazy, but they're doing this cool thing and I like it and I'll do more of this, I think. The next day I get an email from the lady who came out with Anne. It was about me and she meant to send it to Anne. And she's just like, Anne, I don't know who this guy is, but he doesn't seem serious. Like, who the fuck is this guy? He just wants to take photos of cute cats. And like, he's not even serious. And I feel like that's like the, I guess it's a stereotype of me because I am this like goofy stoner guy. But in that moment, I was like, hey, I am goofy stoner guy, but I also am trying to do something. That was like one of the first real lessons off the first time that I tried to save cats. And it was just sort of like, this work is hard and it is brutal. And you see a lot of terrible things sometimes. And that shit wears on you. And that shit wore on that lady. Um, and she's been around in rescue for a long time. And I respect her. But like, why is this your response to the first time someone says, I want to help? Also, you saw my neighborhood. I'm pretty fucking sure there's probably kids that are hungry. Like, there's one of the largest, like, tent encampments in Oakland is a mile from here. So, like, have some fucking perspective. And, like, if anybody wants to do anything positive, don't dump on them. So that sparked a really interesting relationship with Anne and with Cat Town. And then there was this like cat video festival that happened in 2013. And I got to like DJ at that. And that was really bizarre. I got to see Anne at that again. We like talked and it was like, oh man, we're like on a similar wavelength. It was just like a really good like, oh man, is this community? The summer went by. I was still definitely more interested in being music guy than dive into rescue world but kept taking care of my neighborhood boys and kept in touch with Anne. i was like we got to figure out a way to collaborate on something i had wanted to go to japan like my entire life and i had a friend from high school who had just moved there for work and she sent our little group of high school friends who stay in touch like uh, an email that was like hey i'm gonna be here for the next eight months if you want to come visit now's the time that kind of sent me on a Google rabbit hole down through cat culture in Japan. There's these like feral cat islands. There's kawaii, neko, cute bombs everywhere. Like, And then one of the cutest shit that is everywhere was cat cafes. And I was like, what is a fucking cat cafe? And I start reading and I'm just like, oh, you go and you literally have coffee and you hang out with cats. But those 
those cats live there? How does that work? Do they get adopted? No, they just live there. Interesting. Pet culture, I guess, over there is a little bit different. Like the all the apartments are very small. It's like very minimal living. So like having an animal that is yours and having the space for them isn't as common as here, I guess. These kind of cafe, these animal cafes were kind of like a response to that. And I found some really cool ones that like had their style and like the experience they offered was like, is just kind of magical. And I was like, that's really cool, actually. I wonder if anyone's done that here. Um, and then I did some Googling and no one had done it yet. When I met with Anne, um, I told her this scheme about going to Japan. Holy shit, there's feral cat islands. I got to go see that. Like feral cats, I think, are my jam. Like I want to go meet more. Um, and then they also have these like cat cafe things. And like, do you think we could do that here? Like there, it's like fancy purebred cats and they have one of every color. And it's like uh, you go and you experience them. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like something like America's going to get behind <laughs> or like we can do better than that. Then and there kind of we had this talk. We had a really good like brainstorm session. Um, and it was like, I don't really know you and you don't really know me, but I think we're on like a pretty similar wavelength. And do you want to start this business together? Actually, fuck. Hang on a second. I think you were volunteering at OAS and you might have been the person who said, hey, check out Cat Town. Like that was that was Robin, the woman who is piecing together this entire podcast, which if you haven't listened to the other episodes yet, you fucking should. It's like some powerful shit. It's like, holy shit, I'm about to cry because I'm like, oh, no, that was what that was like. <laughs> so on one hand, fuck you, Robin, <laughs> but also thank you so much. <laughs> But anyways, Anne and I had that conversation and we were just sort of like, I don't know, let's keep talking. Let's we're going to run with this. Uh, and then the rest of 2013, I would do little tabling events, selling calendars and my crap. Um, and I would just bounce the idea off people. It was a great uh, market research opportunity of just sort of like, oh, cool. You like cats. Have you heard of cat cafes? What would you think about this? Like, and we're thinking about they'll be adoptable and it's going to cost like five to 10 bucks to get in. But like, and you'll get a coffee and blah, blah, blah. The overwhelming response was that what a great idea. And my brain was like, no, I don't want to tell this idea to people until they can say, I want it and give them the way to get it. If you want to make it a reality, you literally can by donating to our thing or and pre-ordering your coffee and a t-shirt of all that bullshit. We really lucked out with the the city. I don't know. I feel like Oakland's always kind of been like not lawless, but just sort of like what attracted me to here in the first place and with music was that like there's so much creativity happening and so much like innovation and so much just thinking outside the box a little bit. It was never the plan to be like, I don't want to do music anymore, and I just want to do cats. But it was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll do like 75% cats, 25% music. And then it turned out to be like 125% cats, because it was way more work than we ever anticipated. The combined cat experience that the core team at that time at Cat Town had was 20 plus years. Um, and so I was just sort of like, I don't know shit about cat rescue, but I want to learn. So if I want to try to do this crazy idea, I need to partner with someone who's 
who's already doing it, who's already well-versed, and who's already got a good head on their shoulders. And that was Anne, and that was Captown. We do the crowdfunding campaign, we get our money, we find our building, we wind up being the first cat cafe in the country to open, um, and we opened in October 2014, and it was nuts. I think in that first year, the euthanasia rate at uh, Oakland Animal Services, which is where we get most of our cats, after the first year, it was like a 91% live release rate or something like that, which is technically no kill. Like, because no kill is like this marketing term to try to get money and to kind of try to shame the shelter system a little bit inadvertently, I think, but it's kind of what it does. Like, because at the end of the day, the people who run your local city shelter have to make the fucking hardest decisions every day they deal with some of the most terrible human beings and situations you'll ever come across and to vilify those people and to criticize them for trying to make the best decisions they can with the resources they have for the lives that are at stake is so fucked. Uh, so when Anne was like, here's the situation at the shelter, here's the situation with cats in Oakland, here's what we can do. I was like, hell yeah. Like, let's, I want to do that. Like, I want to be a positive part in Oakland. And if this is how I can do it. Yeah. So we, so we made like a legit fucking impact and it's crazy and it was awesome. And the community responded in kind. After like the first year and a half of running it, as Cat Town's like board expanded and as we were continuing to be kind of successful, but also struggle and like finances were always hard. Being in Cat Rescue is not a lucrative game. Like there's people who want to be like influencer shit that want to buy boats, but like be wary of those people. Like uh, no one, we're not buying boats. Uh, I wish I had a boat. <laughs> I don't wish I had a boat. Why would I? Can I have a cat on a boat? It was it was just an interesting learning and growing experiences. And I just kind of felt like a nonprofit doesn't need to run a cafe because like we had the cafe and we had our staff of the cafe. Then we had a cafe committee of just sort of like volunteers and me that were trying to figure out ways to make the cafe better, make it run better, events we could do, that sort of stuff. And then we had Anne above that committee. And then we had the board above Anne. So there's like 20 fucking something people all giving their opinion on how to run a cafe, which is like kind of difficult. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had like two cooks in the kitchen, but try having 24. And none of them can really agree on what exactly they want it to be um, because some people are vegan and some are vegetarian and some don't want to like isolate the people who aren't and some don't want to isolate the people who are. And like, we do we want we want espresso. We got to get espresso like and we we're like, guys, we wanted espresso, too, but we only raised X amount of thousand dollars. If you want an espresso machine, you're the board. Go find 10 grand like and we'll put it in and we'll do the work. So that was really frustrating. And then there was just a couple of different things that like happened that made it clear that this was not my baby. I mean, it kind of was my baby, but it also wasn't my baby. And I felt like the more people who got involved, the less serious I was taken. I get it. And 
and this was one of the hardest lessons in life that I've had was just like acknowledging that this was no longer my thing, but this thing that I cared about and this child that I birthed and like raised isn't mine. And while I'm a little disappointed in that, this, it, is, it is what it is. And I still love this and I still love what they're doing. But like, if you want me to function like a firefighter business owner working 70 plus, if not more hours a week, then I need some authority. And you're saying I don't have any. So I got to I'm going to have to back off. But at the end of it, I know that this is going to be here. I know you guys are going to figure it out. And I know you're going to keep doing amazing work. And I can't wait to support it. So I took like a sabbatical quit, never came back road trip for like two months and went across the country. It was funny. I had seen this van that was for sale and was just like, damn, I want to buy a van and I want to go across the country and I want to see all the cat cafes and see all the people that I've like met on the internet. I'm going to leave cat town and I'm going to do that. I didn't wind up buying that van at that time, which was smart and fine, but I did do the road trip. It was just like a really fun, easy little community. I met a lot of really great people in person for the first time that we'd had good relationships on the internet, but it was just solidified a bunch of these relationships. I had all these awesome experiences with people and new friends and I get home and I'm just sort of like, all right, well, what's next? And I don't really have a what's next. <laughs> I didn't really have a what's next. Uh, luckily, it was the end of the year. So I had like my calendars and I knew I had my t-shirts and my crap that I made and that holiday times are always good for sales. So I was able to go and do tabling events and like that sort of shit. If you don't know what a cat con is, it's essentially like comic con, but for cat people or like a sci-fi con. But instead of nerdy bullshit, it's all cat bullshit. And it's celebrity cat bullshit and it's knickknack bullshit and it's cat butthole t-shirt bullshit that's my bullshit just in case you needed to know one of the most awesome things for me is standing behind my table vending my crap is like watching people walk by read it and they're either like Batman is a genius or they give me like the most disgusted face. They're like, oh, ballless and flawless. Like, that, are those balls? Cap, that's cat balls, keychains on his table. Honey, get away from that guy. It's just sort of like, I want to make the things that I don't see in the world that I want. Music was the first thing for that for me. Then the cat cafe turned into that thing for me. I wasn't lost or if I and when I was lost, I was like, OK with it. Like it wasn't I didn't feel like I was lost. I felt like I was kind of just like out there drifting, uh, seeing what was out in the world, continuing to rescue cats and make dumb shit with my friends and figure out ways to still pay my bills and support my rent and my student loan for the degree that doesn't matter in cat rescue. Oh, man. Yeah. How I see it is that it's like. I was wandering in the fucking desert for like five years and occasionally I would get to stop off like a storm would start up. I'd find like a little village and I'd take refuge in the village and I'd make myself useful there for a little bit. I realized I wanted to invest that energy and that time into like my own thing. I just haven't figured out what that was yet. And I mean, I'm still figuring that out.
five years goes by lots of weird shit continues to happen with cats and i'm just sort of like this is what the universe sent me on i know i'm really lucky that i have been able to figure out how to continue to exist as a human adult male in the world by still doing the things that i want to do it's just having that drive and that being that kind of person that wants to help people and do better and and i get people who ask all the time and it's fucking disheartening honestly that it's just sort of like oh man how did you get so many followers how do i get my followers up like what like what do i need to do to get that and i'm just like well what you need to do is not think how do i get more followers like you're you're so far off the fucking map of what you need to do because yes having followers and shit means that like you can get some support and like you have some people in your corner and maybe you get some more opportunities but at the end of the day i just tell everyone to show your work people will support you if you're doing the work and like part of the investment to like becoming a notable person in any community and like every fucking micro community has the rock stars has the people who are like the top influencers of their van life or fucking cooking or TikTok dancing or whatever. Every little niche has their like celebrity. And it's bigger than just Instagram and social media, but that's a, a, a huge piece of it for sure. But at the end of it, people support me because I've been doing this for 10 years. Like this didn't happen overnight. You have no control over how people respond to what you do. You just have to love what you do and you have to keep wanting to do it. And that's where I'm at. And I'm just trying to figure out how to to encourage people to want to do something, to see themselves as somebody. I feel like the superhero thing and when you put these people on pedestals, at the end of the fucking day, they're just people. Like, I'm not perfect by any means. I know... The people that are on the big pedestals, I know that they're not perfect in ways that most people don't get to see because social media, you don't share your unperfect shit. When you share the hard shit, it's not great, but it is what people are going through and it is it is what people need to see. And it's like the people that are up at the top tier, they need support, but they don't need the same kind of support that like the people in the fucking weeds and in the muck and dealing with they're like their only friend who does cat rescue and they have this weird little online community but like in the real world they're like the only one who's going out there and picking up these cats and trying to save kittens and trying to do tnr and trying to get cats adopted and that shit is hard and it's heartbreaking and when you're alone like luckily we have the internet so we know we're not alone but when you're when it's the end of the day and a kitten just like died in your hands um like it's fucking heartbreaking it's hard and you got to be able to talk about that stuff because if you just suppress it it go it can get real bad and i've seen it get real bad and i and i don't like i wouldn't wish shit getting real bad on my worst enemy burnout and compassion fatigue and overworking yourself and overextending yourself and always saying yes and never taking the time to like process things or to like give yourself a night off that's not the rescue world like you don't want to do that like you want to always say yes because sometimes if you say no that's literally life or death 
Like, that is the hardest fucking lesson of it all, to me. When people talk to me about, like, I want to open a cat cafe, like, what should I do? It's like, well, if you're just saying, what should I do? You don't want to open a cat cafe, and you should want to figure that shit out on your own. And I realize that, like, there's a bunch of resources out there now, but, like, no one is just going to hand you over their plan because there is no plan plan for everything plan for nothing plan to cry a lot plan to smile a lot and feel good shit's not easy and if you don't take care of yourself and acknowledge when it's not easy and reach out to people and figure out your little community and tribe then like you'll slip into the darkness and it's not gonna be good so being a cat man in a predominantly cat woman world um, has been kind of interesting. I mean, the gender roles are a little flipped. I definitely feel weird, again, about being like the straight white guy and I'm coming into this world and, hey, check check me out. I've definitely gotten some backlash against that a little bit. And I've seen some like, why is everybody talking about these guys in Cat Rescue? They're just fucking insta-hoes. Uh, they're not really serious and they're not doing the work and blah, blah, blah. Again, on the surface level, when you look at me uh, and you look at what I do, like I host Cat Bingo. I make butthole t-shirts. I try to make funny videos. I'm constantly joking around and smoking weed and fucking just being a dude. And sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. Uh, and sometimes people are just like, you're my dude. Like, you're my kind of dude. And those are the people that I'm trying to reach. I don't see Cat Rescue or the world in, like, it can only be this way. It can only be like this. Like, the fact that I'm a little crude and lowbrow, and I've said a lot of swear words today, and my mom's going to be a little upset. But, like, I realize I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And I'm not trying to be. And I know people who are trying to be, like, more people's cup of tea. And that's fine. They can do that. They're making their own life choices to do that thing. But at the end of it, I'm just sort of like, you either want to get in the van and ride along or you don't. If you don't, I don't care. That's fine. Like, I realize I'm kind of a w odd duck in this weird little cat world. But I think the odd duck is the future because, like, cat rescue being a predominantly older white woman world shits you gotta update you gotta like adapt or die and like that old guard that doesn't understand the internet to some extent or understand how to use it like there was a world of cat rescue before social media and there will be a world of cat rescue after social media just because i came up in this like kind of shallow world doesn't mean that i'm a shallow person and it doesn't mean that like the work that i'm doing is not serious this work is fucking so hard. Why would you not want to like inject some fun into it and inject some like life? Anne and I got to have like a postmortem of our little breakup and we hadn't had that in over five years. We've worked on some stuff together, but we didn't really ever get to have that talk. Um, and we had that talk recently and I don't think either of us had really fully taken stock in like what we did and that is that now like we've adopted 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cats from the cafe space, which that means we've touched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of family lives, like real people's lives. And then people saw what we did and was like, hey, I want to do that. I can do if that guy can do it, then I can do it. Now there's cat cafes all across the country that are doing the same work that was like inspired by us and are touching a fuck ton of lives in their community. I didn't have that. I didn't think about it like that. I like I let people talk me into being I am this little brother. I am just a jokester. I am not serious. I am like I'm not for real. And honestly, that I don't want to be the headliner. I don't want to be the authority on fucking anything. I know who I am and I know what I've done and I know what I want to do. And I know it sounds like egotistical, but I feel like I have a pretty good head on my shoulders and not letting it go to my head. I love that when people are like, holy shit, I, re I just trapped my first cat or I just trapped my hundredth cat. And I like got into this because I saw you do it and I saw your friends and your little world and that you're making the world better and I want to make my world better. I mean, never in a million years was this what the path that I thought I'd be on. Like, if I could tell 16-year-old me that you're the cat man and, like, you're traveling the world because of cats, who the fuck knows how many cats' lives you touched and cat people's lives you touch? I definitely believe and feel the universe put me on this path. I didn't pick cats. Like, cats picked me. I've had... Dogs, cats, turtles, hamsters, all sorts of critters. At one point when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, being a veterinarian could be cool. But I did not pick cats. Cats for sure picked me. Not everyone gets that moment of like, here's how you can help. I mean, even when you get that moment of here's the thing that dropped in your lap and here's the thing that needs help. It's not like that moment or that experience is your only learning moment, especially if you decide like, I want to do this more. I've had to crawl under houses and get into basements and sit in dirty cars to like hide from a cat. So and like get under cars to get a cat that's in a car. And I've learned all about crazy cat health issues and behavior. And like, it's just they're just so fucking interesting. And they're just like us in the sense that they're all individual beings and they have wants and desires and issues. They're just as complicated as us. It's amazing to get to connect with a like living thing that you can't communicate verbally with, but you can definitely communicate like emotionally with and physically with. Usually I'll get up in the morning and I'll make some coffee and then I'll sit down on the couch and Bud, who is my blind boy, he's got no eyes, he'll like kind of holler for me and I'll like tap on the couch and be like, pss, 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 I'll cat call him <laughs> and he'll come over, he'll jump in my lap, I'll kind of like lean back and he'll just start making biscuits on my stomach and he didn't do that when he was like a kitten, he didn't do that the first two years that I had him that started in this like last year 
I think the longest session was almost an hour and then he'll, he'll start drooling and like, I'll feel the wetness get through my shirt uh, and then he'll stop and he'll just like lay down and he's so content and he's so like happy. And so am I. Yeah. There's something to like the, the love that's there. I love that they're kind of bastards. They, I mean, I am a cat. The older I get, the more feral cat I become because I'm just sort of like, yeah, I don't like people. I just want to eat my food and hang out in my cave in peace. But yeah, cats are just such cool, independent creatures. And when they pick you, it's powerful. Uh, and sometimes you pick them and you develop your relationship with them into them picking you. And sometimes you just know it right from the get go. We can't have a cat rescue community if we don't have cat rescuers. If we don't take care of ourselves and don't take care of each other, it's not just taking care of yourself, it's taking care of each other. Then we won't have a long-term sustainable community. So like my kind of new vision and goal is to and what I've what I've been doing already but I didn't really know it, which is being the conduit in this community and i want to be a conduit for cat rescuers cat people people who just like cats people who want to get more who are like oh i like cats and i think i want to get more involved and i want to be encouraging and be able to be like if you want to get involved here's the six different ways that you can get involved you do you want to do tnr do you want to do fostering do you want to do bottle babies like if you want it i have the info and i want to give you the info because i want all of these different orgs to have the support that they need. I don't want to be the guy on the stage, but I want to be the guy that makes sure the stage stands up and, and makes sure that the next wave and generation of rescuers have a stage to stand on and that they have the support to like, to come up and keep doing more work and keep saving more lives and caring more and, and getting other people to care more. It's insane seeing where we're at now and kind of imagining where we'll be in another 10 years. I mean, my reach is very small in the grand scheme of things, but like when I see Hannah and Kitten Lady's fucking kitten army that she's making, those kids are gonna do real damage. It would be great to not have to save animals. The work is never ending. So you have to keep doing it, but you also just have to take time to like, remember that you're a human being, connect with other human beings that are doing the same shit as you and connect with other human beings that are doing completely different shit than you. Just finding your community and making your community and being supportive to each other is like the, the only way we'll continue and get any better. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's gonna get better, but I think overall, I'm cautiously optimistic. I know that I smoked a lot of weed and I saved a lot of cats and I did a bunch of cool shit with my friends and that's all I want in the world.
because I uh, talked so much about this and because there's been some really great little moments. If you listen all the way to the end of the podcast where there will be a little blooper or a little sound clip or something, I'm going to rip the bong and have a good rest of your day. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>